Okay. Hello and welcome to season three of the Real World Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about real world issues and this is a baby boomer versus a millennial mother versus son. Hi, I'm Bobby. And uh, I think because <laughs> this is the third season, I'm supposed to be Jake, but I am still Brian. <laughs> that's right, because we started with Scott, then last second season was Brian. And that's true. Jake should be on here. It's, yeah. yeah, it's Jake's turn, but I got roped into this again. <laughs> what do you mean you got roped in? Do you not want to discuss oh, real abso- world issues? Absolutely never. I would, <laughs> I would never want to talk about the real influences and how we actually handle the crap that we deal with in life. Yeah, so today, for our first episode for season three, we're going to talk about the opioid crisis, and it's just like every day when I'm either scrolling through social or just, you know, checking things out online, I'm reading about yet another teenager who somehow got some kind of opioid from the street, and um, just it's just so sad. The parents are just heartbroken, um, you know, because... Uh, it can only take, I mean, it, it could be simply just like one time mm-hmm. be- because of the strength of the opioids. So the reason I wanted to um, talk about this is just to to understand a little bit more about it. And I figured if I didn't have all the answers with respect to it, then I uh, figured that maybe some of you um, would like some of this information too. So the first question is, what is an opioid? So an opioid is a class of drugs that includes the illegal drug heroin, synthetic opioids such as fentanyl, and pain relievers available legally by prescription such as oxycotton, <clears throat> pardon me, hydrocodone, which is Vicodin, codeine, morphine, and many others. So what is fentanyl? Because that's the that's the one thing that I'm hearing in the news a lot. I about. see. I, I've never heard of any of these except uh, morphine and Vicodin because I've heard Dad make Seriously? jokes about Vicodin. Are you serious? I mean, well, I've heard of heroin, that, but I've never heard of heroin being called an opiate. Yeah, it is, and and again, that's why I think it's important for us to discuss these things because this is a real issue, and I've got some statistics that are just kind of scary. I mean, I I know that there is an opiate crisis. Mm-hmm. But I've also never heard of it really being for people of my generation I've, and the younger. I've always heard about people who are more close to your generation, actually. No, no, actually. That's interesting. It's, it, yeah, it's younger and younger. I'm hearing about a lot of teenagers, and so it's just so sad to me. So what is fentanyl? So fentanyl is a synthetic opioid, and, you know, opioids are approved for treating severe pain, especially advanced cancer pain. But fentanyl is 50 to 100 times more potent than morphine. And it's prescribed in the form of transdermal patches or lozenges, and it can be diverted for misuse and abuse in the United States, and it has. Most recent cases of fentanyl-related harm, overdose, and death in the U.S. are linked illegally to fentanyl. And it's sold through illegal drug markets for its heroin-like effect. It is also frequently mixed with heroin or cocaine yeah. to increase the sense of euphoria with the pain relief. Right. Right. 
the main stat that I saw that I was interesting because you know me, I don't, I never really look up a bunch of facts most of the time before we talk. I just try and mm-hmm. think of interesting questions and what as I'm mm-hmm. doing a little bit of research. But the one thing that really stood out to me was on the CDC's website about uh, fentanyl. About 150 people die ODing from it or another synthetic opiate like it every day yes. in America, mm-hmm. which is sort of mind blowing. I mean, in a sense, there's 300 some million people. In America, so there's a lot of people dying every day, which is itself kind of depressing to think about. But but those statistics are a little still, bit older, because right now they're 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 talking about seventy five thousand a year people that are dying, and that would actually end up being closer to like six thousand a month, or you know, so what does that end up being like? Six thousand a month, two thousand a day, yeah. Right. Uh-huh. I mean. Two hundred a day. I mean, two hundred. I meant not two thousand. Sorry. So it's gone up twenty five percent. It's gone up twenty five percent. In fact, that's what what they're saying on here. And I I actually did get a lot of information from the CDC. Um, <clears throat> I also um, found some information on DEA.gov, and what they're saying as far as like the clandestine. Uh, Clandestinely produced fentanyl is primarily manufactured in Mexico. And so my biggest concern, and I know that this has been reported numerous times, was with the border crisis that we currently have. And we did talk about that in season two, but that's one of the biggest concerns with all of these people that are coming over that that that's where a lot of this um, street fentanyl is coming from. And it's just, oh my gosh, it's just so sad. It's just so sad. You know, it's it's tough enough being a teenager, and then you add COVID on top of it, where, you know, so many kids are, you know, not just living the life that they had before, and it's just been hard for them socially, and then you add this additional burden of this street fentanyl that's, I guess, readily available um, it's just so sad. And, and here's some of the street names for this. And I, I never even heard of this stuff. A pace, China girl, Chinatown, China white, dance fever, Goodfellas, great, great bear, he man, poison and tango and cash. Yeah. So what happens with this, um, it's an intense short term high, uh, and there's temporary, feelings of euphoria but then there's slowed respiration reduced blood pressure nausea fainting seizures and death that's basically kind of how it goes and it produces effects such as relaxation euphoria pain relief sedation confusion drowsiness dizziness nausea vomiting urinary retention pupillary constriction and respiratory depression so there's just all kinds of things that it can do to your body and I remember when I was like 18 years old and I, I had panic attacks and I remember them giving me Xanax. And I took one pill one time and I felt like I was outside my body, like looking at myself. It was the strangest, most bizarre feeling. And this was one little pill that, that I took that was a prescription. I mean, it wasn't a street drug. And I couldn't even handle that. So I can't even imagine when you're looking at these um, 
the, these amounts when you when when they're saying that you know this and I've read that it could actually be up as much as 10,000 times like the original strength like that's how much I I mean I don't even know how your body can process it and that's why I think so many people are dying. Yeah. I mean that's definitely it. That's definitely it. Yeah. I mean is the body just can't process things at that level. It is just next to impossible. So as far as the synthetic opioids, pardon me, from uh, 2019 compared to 2013, the overdose deaths were 12 times higher. So 12 times higher in six years. So that's how prevalent this has become. And um, it... I don't know. It's just what they're saying is that there's been an acceleration of it during COVID, which again is understandable because it's a coping mechanism, right? And it's what. And how many people use their, uh, their Biden bunks or their Trump bunks? Uh, I said bunks, not bucks. I meant to say bucks. I I didn't mean to say bunks. What's a Trump buck? Or Biden bucks. That's the word for. I don't know what Have you never heard that slang? That was, that was like the joke slang on the internet for uh, whenever people. I honestly never heard that before. Whenever people got their 12 hundy. Oh, or, or the, oh, okay. Or the okay. increase of uh, unemployment. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I guess I have heard Biden bucks before. The first person I actually heard that from was Scott. He, Scott was, <laughs> I, I heard. He probably invented it. Uh, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> oh, my word. That child. He probably did. Yeah. So another. Um, interesting fact is that it used to be these kinds of synthetic drugs used to be more of a white men issue it it certainly affects men more than women but it used to be more for white men but now black men have caught up to it and um so now like black men have overtaken white men and now they're on par with American Indian and Alaska Native men. And those are the three groups that are, are more likely to die from these overdoses. So it's just, it's just, the whole thing is just so sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let me see what other information I have regarding. Yeah, let's see. So, so as far as black men... And they're with the drug overdoses, they're the percentage of the death rate. So it's increased about 213%, whereas whites kind of stayed kind of the same, but the death rate, no, it rose, but only like a third of that. So like 69%, but the, but with the black men that it actually tripled and um, going in the wrong direction. Now, black women have actually risen 144%. So that's not so good either. That's, uh, it's all tragic. Truly, it is. Yep, we know that it's accelerated during the pandemic. So as you keep looking at things, one of the things mm-hmm. that I just keep thinking about is the, why are we talking about this? Right. And that's the big part of that. Yeah. Well, I think there's a rise in mental health issues um, 
during COVID. I, I definitely think that. And that was like one of my biggest concerns about shutting down schools. Because, and you know, you work with youth in school in, in, or at church. And, and I was a sub for a and long And you time. were a substitute teacher for a long time. I mean, you've been at Sandals now for about, what, six months or thereabouts? Uh, yeah. Five months? This is, this is four, I've, about four and a half months. Okay. So what a different environment to work the church versus working as a substitute teacher. And you primarily taught high school. Yeah. I know the last kind of year you taught wherever there was um, an available position because there weren't that many because the schools weren't open. The teachers were were uh, teaching from home, you know, virtually. And so um, they didn't have the same level of need as they did um, when you were going into the classroom we were talking earlier, too, as far as um, before we started this podcast, we were just talking about sickness in general. I had COVID a couple weeks ago, and, you know, I'm always checking on my babies, make sure they're okay. And um, you know what? Brian's been good, and that's that's awesome. But what he's saying is that he had been so much sicker when he was working at the high school. And that's because oh, yeah. the kids, you know. I'm ex- suddenly exposed to hundreds of new exactly. germs all at once. Exactly. And I've, I think I've only been sick once or twice in like the four year, three or four years since then. But mm-hmm. there was like this year period where I was just constantly sick. Like mm-hmm. every, I, w- yeah. I was sick for two or three weeks every month and a half. Mm-hmm. And that reminds me of when you guys were little. Like when you guys were young, and I've seen it with my grandchildren too. When school starts up again in the fall or at the mm-hmm. end of summer, the first month or so they're sick. You know, they just have colds, you know, that's primarily what it is. Mm -hmm. But now with COVID, it's just like such a kind of a completely different dynamic because it it, not that that I'm as concerned about them. I mean, generally kids fare pretty well when they get things like that in terms of the seriousness of it for kids. I'm not saying it can't be serious, but I'm saying generally they fare pretty well. But the point is, is that like Jace, uh, my grandson, has been sent home several times uh, when he had like a runny nose because he had to be tested to make sure he didn't have COVID. And then he's also been sent home because he was exposed to somebody in class. And they, they basically you know, like send the whole class home when they've done it. And, and I know the rules have changed a lot over the past year and a half, um, but he was sent home just like a week and a half ago for it. And um, I'm certainly hoping that this uh, Omicron, um, variant is going to be kind of like the last of it all like in terms of the big you know that we're going to start seeing the, some, the exploding yes the exploding especially since we have about 75 percent of adults at least i i, I think the number 75 percent of adults that are vaccinated and uh at least with the first two and i'm hoping that we're not going to uh, i hope we're going to have some herd immunity and i know the omicron i mean it has been everywhere I mean, it's, it's, it's just been everywhere. I've just known so many people that have gotten it. And um, so in any event, I think getting back to the mental health uh, problems associated with the pandemic, I think that the opioid crisis is definitely one of the unfortunate side effects of, of this crisis. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's just exploded, and um, three, let's see, three-quarters of all fatal overdoses in 2020 involved opioids, and then more than 60% of those were involving synthetic opioids. 
And, you know, that's, again, the problem because it's just, you don't know who's making these things. They're synthetic. And, I mean, why would you trust putting something in your body like that when you don't even know where it's coming from? Because they don't know better and they're promised to feel better. Right now, just another statistics, and this was in, taken in October. This is all on the CDC. Um, well, this uh, actually, yeah, this one was from, on the CDC. And it was, <clears throat> pardon me, in October of 2021, they took a survey of U.S. adults to find out what they thought, you know, like what percentage of U.S. adults said drug addiction you know, is a problem in their community, and forty about forty percent said it's a major problem. That's a pretty high percentage of people saying it's a major problem, and uh, yeah, it is a major problem because I'm hearing about it all the time. And I know just recently of a friend, it, it's it's uh, a, an acquaintance of a friend who died. She was twenty four years old, and this was just about a week ago. And she was in rehab, so she already had substance abuse problems. But, you know, she died from an o- overdose, and no doubt that it was, they believe, fentanyl. And That's heartbreaking. It is. It's just totally heartbreaking. I, I can't imagine being the parent of, of this child or any of these children who, you know, unknowingly are, are trying to just escape the troubles of this world by taking this these substances and um, it's just, you know, it has just such a, an impact on all of us. So is with that in mind, I think one of the couple questions we should be thinking about and asking ourselves is like, how do we stop this or mm-hmm. how do we prevent this mm-hmm. from happening to begin with? Well, you know, um, yeah, I agree with that. And I remember when Ronald Reagan was in um, office as president of the United States, his wife Nancy um, started this um, Say No to Drugs campaign. And I think that was really helpful. And I think and I think that's what's happening and what I'm reading about is there people are asking the president to do more about it, like to put it front and center, make sure that this has been identified as a real issue. And I think, so I think, you know, coming up with some programs. uh, The other thing is that drug, um, the drug dealers, nothing's happening to them. You know, across the country, we have these weak um, um, prosecutors that are not make. you know, they're not charging these drug dealers and they're well they're not charging that's a different issue for a different topic or a different day but um they're not charging criminals with a lot of things that they used to and so drug dealers murderers rapists whatever are you know just getting off scot-free today they're not even filing charges it's a big issue in la they're trying to recall the district attorney um, the, they're also a same issue in New York city. It's been an ongoing issue in Chicago. Well, as, as you're thinking and you're saying that, would you say then we should continue the war on drugs? Cause I feel like from all I've ever read and heard is that it failed epically just as like all gun laws pretty much fail. 
Well, I think it has to all work in concert with each other. I think you have to have district attorneys that are willing to prosecute drug dealers. I mean, when you think about it, like, why is that not such a a travesty? Like, why are we not? I'm not saying an individual who has drugs. I'm talking about a drug dealer. If you can identify somebody as a drug dealer, they should be put in jail, period. They need to be put away so they're not doing this anymore. Okay. So that would be one of the, your bigger things to maybe crack down on people actually dealing, oh, not totally. necessarily the people using. No, I'm I'm not concerned about the people using. I get that. I mean, yeah. it's like, I mean I'm concerned about them, but, but not, not, not in a criminal sense. Not in a criminal sense, no. Because I'm, in a sense, they're victims. They're, they're, I, I, yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That was, that was something I was I wanted to clarify because I, yeah. I was hearing you, especially when you referenced Reagan. Ray, yeah, Reagan. Mm-hmm. Reagan. Apparently, I just can't speak correctly today. I he was the one who made the war on drugs famous yes. and kind of really began to crack down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I think it yeah. was beneficial back then because it's like it was well known. It was, I mean, everybody saw. You know, there were there were posters and bulletin boards. It was all over the news. The only time you hear anything on the news about this now are the poor parents that are trying to fight for something to happen to the drug dealer that sold their 16-year-old, you know, an illicit drug. Mm -hmm. And I was listening to a couple the other day, and it was actually out here in Santa Monica, and their 16-year-old son had taken one pill, but he held on to it. For th- he held on to the pill for three days before he took it so they wouldn't prosecute the drug dealer because they said he could have, it could have happened from something else. And, like, I mean, I would think uh, an autopsy would reveal exactly what those details are and they would be able to trace it, but maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, it seems kind pretty of weak. ridiculous. Yeah, especially because, again, they knew he was a drug dealer, so then he should just be put away. So he's not doing this to other people let alone kids that are so vulnerable. I think one of the other things, I mean, as more from a more societal perspective also, uh, I think the two things we need to wrestle with, and I think one might be more of a church question because I don't think a secular society has the answer to it. Uh, And that is like, how do we raise people in such a way, especially people who are younger and wait later when they're as adults and they maybe feel lost to know that they can be happy, that they can be content with their life. They don't need to have every single thing that TV and movies and everything says that they need in order to feel happy or feel successful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other, uh, I lost my train of thought with the other because I was explaining the first one. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Let's talk about the first one. And I think that's a big one. And I don't think it's, I mean, I think it's for all ages, all, you know, we, we kind of, I think social media really has done a number on young people especially, because they scroll through social media and people will only post, you know, um, like good things and all these, you know. Yeah, everyone uh, only posts their highlights. Their highlights, right. And so then other people are looking in thinking that they can't, like they can't match up. They can't, they, like, they want what the other person has, you know, because they're seeing that and, you know, most people are not presenting the whole picture. And frankly, I don't like when they do. Like, I don't like when people go out and post on social media, like, how they're feeling. 
you know what I mean? Like all of their feelings and everything like that. It's like that. I, I really just think you need There's, to keep that to yourself. Or you need to have like a social group or friends that you share that with, but not on social media. Yeah, it's, and that, that's the yeah, that's a difficult thing because it's we grow uncomfortable, and I think rightfully so. Social media just publicly announcing for everyone in the world to see is not the place to announce all of your problems. Right. And every single thing that's going on. Because people will prey on that too. Like you can be a victim as a result of that. Yeah. And it can also just be very self-feeding. Like if you're thinking something negative and you post it and then someone responds and they try and respond and be encouraging, you'll be dismissive. You can hurt that relationship. And then the other day, see, see, they don't like me either because they don't like me anymore. Or like, see, they're just lying to themselves. And if no one responds, it's like, see, no one even cares enough to respond to me. Right. And it's like, it's a lose-lose situation. It it, it totally is. No matter what you do, like, there's no success. Totally. I agree. And on the other side, it's also like, if people don't, if like, that's the only way that they can share with someone for some reason, like... I don't know. Right. Maybe, maybe a better response. Especially now with COVID. Yeah. You know, where you, you don't have the same opportunities to be out with groups of people like you used to. Because there, someone, what if someone's like feeling isolated or alone? Right. Maybe they haven't right. seen their friends in a while. Right. So they don't, they don't feel comfortable saying like, hey, I need you. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe as a society, we should send that person an individual message instead of responding publicly. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not fully sure, but I definitely agree with you that social media has definitely harmed people's just views of themselves, their lives. Mm-hmm. I remember one time there was a girl I was friends with in high school and I was in the middle of class and she had posted a picture of herself in a swimsuit. Like it wasn't meant to be very provocative or anything. Mm-hmm. Like she wasn't trying to be attractive, but to some degree she was. And she actually broke down crying in front of me because she was considered one of the less attractive girls. And a lot of people like didn't like her photo, and mm. she just started feeling really depressed. And uh, I was just trying to be like, I like I didn't know what to say to that because I yeah. can't be like, oh no, you're hot, and, right? Uh, that, well, that's right. super inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Now that was sixteen year old me, so I might have said something that dumb. <laughs> uh, but that said, like that's not something now you're twenty six year old me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That was ten years ago. Ten Holy years crap. ago, Brian. Uh, but that's still like validating someone's momentary insecurities doesn't actually like fix what's going on because it doesn't mm-hmm. fix their self-confidence. Yeah. Cause as soon as that person doesn't validate it anymore for whatever reason. Right. Like then that, that just comes crashing down. And, and let me share this one thing I failed to share at the very beginning. We do not claim to be experts in any fields. The whole thing that we try to do with this podcast is to just raise awareness of topics like we like to bring things to your attention i like to identify things that are either currently an issue in the real world or things that that you may have heard about but maybe you didn't know about and you were afraid to ask yeah i mean you know generally you can google anything but um i think when you hear people talking about it it somehow validates it a little bit more yeah definitely and i think a big part of this is also us because like what you said we're not experts not i'm like a pseudo expert now that i officially have my mdiv and theology Mm -hmm. stuff sure but even then there's so many people smarter than me when it comes to the bible and you're still young and you haven't experienced life in the same manner as others however one thing i would say to you though is that you have worked with youth now for a long time like yeah, since uh, I was in high school. Yeah, since I you started were in high school. A, I started being a junior high leader when I was uh, 15, 16. So tell me, Brian, what what do you 
what are you seeing in, in terms of that change? So that's like eight years. So that's like eight to 10 years that you've been doing this and you've been working with youth. And can you tell me, are you seeing a change, you know, like an aggregate change over that time period with respect to how young people are viewing themselves, how they're viewing the world? What are you seeing? From what I gather, people are in many ways just as insecure. Their basic, their their working or basic knowledge of a lot of little things is improved because they come across little things here and there because of social media and the internet being at their thumbs. Because everyone who's a teenager now has grown up with an iPhone or something like it. Whereas like my generation were the last people who probably didn't grow up with a smartphone. Everyone who pretty much was younger than me is probably grew up with something because they started coming out when I was in middle school. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I would say a big part of it is that just every adolescent, regardless of their generation, just doesn't know what they're doing. And I don't mean that mm-hmm. in a bad way. Just they're it's trying just to part figure of growing out. up. They're, they're just trying to yeah, figure out who totally, they are. Totally. I remember. I mean, like, I know it was a long time ago for me, but I remember just being confused about everything. Yeah. And you know? I mean, like, and it can be just so rough. It, like, I, I understand that I've, man, has actually youth been really difficult for me the last month because I've had two different boys uh, talk to me about them doing things with women, uh, with, uh, with other, with, uh, with other girls, uh, not hopefully with, they're with, girls. Yeah. But, okay. but with, girl, with other teenage girls. <laughs> okay, okay. With, I mean, or not, not that I want teenage. that to happen. You guys you know, know what, what I'm saying. saying. Yeah. They're not adults. <laughs> Got they're it. not, not none. Who adults these are like involved. 13, 14 year olds. These I'm, I, uh, volunteer with juniors. So these are 16, 17. Okay. 16, 17. Okay. And they just, I've never, I've, I've been approached to me before. People have come to me and talked to me like, Hey, I've, Brian, I just lost my virginity. Like, I feel so broken. I feel like I failed God. And mm-hmm. kind of almost like a confession. Mm-hmm. I've never had be like, hey, Brian, guess what I did last night? Mm. And I just am floored. Like, I don't. And it's like, it's like, there, it's almost like people, because of social media and the general increase of people, like, sort of responding to and everything has increased some weird level of awareness of things. Mm. So like they're aware that they're insecure and they're Mm -hmm. aware that they want this for validation, but it's like, they don't really understand what that means still. Mm -hmm. And so they're still like actively going to those things for validation anyways. So, so, so that, so they've approached you on, uh, regarding sexual, sin uh, um, oh yeah okay. in regards to substance yeah so that's what that was gonna be my question yeah and substance is something also i've encountered uh and it's uh it's something that's difficult because i mean i'm pretty sure i'm able to share this because we m- had to act on it swiftly and somewhat harshly is a student had brought drugs to campus once Mm, I've I haven't heard but you know uh, that doesn't surprise me and it's just to be like because I don't want it to be like oh hush hush we don't want people to think there's drugs at Sandals Movell or other Sandals campuses we'd be foolish to think that but at the same time it's like no this happened someone went and tried to get high in one of the bathrooms Mm -hmm. and we had to act on it Mm -hmm. and act on it immediately because Mm -hmm. that's not appropriate totally church is a safe place right you can't control your lives outside of church but like you're not allowed to bring that here you you want to be able to model the behavior that you would like for them 
to to have outside of church yeah. while you're in church at least um and in a realistic way and yeah and that's to say it's and, and i'm talking about like struggling because one of the students i had already mentioned one of the boys i'm with one of my boys was the one who brought it mm. to sandals moval now was this an opioid or this was, or was this more like marijuana or something this was uh wax this was the really concentrated marijuana Okay. Effectively, it's wax. It, it's called wax. It's essentially never even heard of it. It's essentially <laughs> the, so it's ex- the essentially it's extremely concentrated marijuana. So it's like the fentanyl of of yes. opioids. Essentially, okay. okay. Like, yeah. If you wow. you, you might have heard comedians or people joke about how oh yeah this like new weed is so much stronger now. No, I've and, heard that it's like significantly stronger and, than yeah. say like when I was a teenager. And so like this is taking that to the extreme, and they've also done other things like they it's like. It has no taste or smell anymore, so that way people can't detect it. It comes in like a vape pen. Oh wow! So like it's so people can think it's a vape. Wow, uh, I I'm so naive. I I have no clue. It is just. Do you guys have training at church to be able to identify those kinds of things? Like that thorough training? I don't. Not really. I mean, we used to periodically. I you know work but for it, the county of Riverside, and we used to periodically have training that would identify. For substance abuse, like the things to look out for, but it was more like yeah. symptoms, you know, like, you know, yeah. you're looking out for the red eyes and the kind of the strange behavior, you and, know. And that's that sort kind of, of more of like what we're t- we talk about when okay. some, something like this comes up. Same or we end kind up of talking, thing, more behavioral. Like, uh, like, so yeah, sort of the consequential behaviors that a student mm-hmm. might be doing yeah. if they, excuse me, are doing mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And so it's like this... Yeah, things have, in a sense, I feel like gotten worse because they seem to be a bit more aware of understanding of things, and it's not like they don't actually grasp it, so they do the behaviors anyway. Yeah, and I think that's, the again, the concern with social media and why it's been such, um, not it's just been not a good thing for young people because it's like all this information is so readily available, and... You know, if they fear they're missing out on something because it's being promoted on social media in a positive way, yeah. not in a negative way, at least for the feeds that they're looking at. And so they don't, they probably aren't looking at the feeds from the news sources where all these young kids are dying from fentanyl or no, they're whatever. Not. And um, so, but that, so, so getting back to your question about what can we do about it. I mean, we really have to raise awareness. And it's like, we should be bringing it up at church. We should be bringing it up in school. Mm -hmm. And we need to make these kids aware. And we need to educate the parents as well. And I think a big part of that, too, is it reminds me of... Because one of the reasons my boys felt comfortable with sharing their foolish decisions that they've done even admit they not really regretting it to some extent. Uh, in creating conversations like, are you really saved? If you believed in Jesus and you commit this sin, why are you celebrating it? Why aren't you remorseful? But what leading up to those was there were times where it's like they would just ask me questions and I would give an honest answer. They would ask me, like, what do I think of weed? I've never tried it. It seems like everyone who tries it is having a lot of fun as they're doing it. I don't think it's an addictive substance itself, but people get addicted to the dopamine high, and because of that, they just feel like they're miserable without it. Mm. 
And so I would never want to use it. So that it. sounds pretty addictive to me. Yeah, but I mean, in the sense where it's not addictive like fentanyl would be, where it's the substance itself, but right. it's, it's more like it, to the, eating to the effect. or it's, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's just like an eating addiction or right. a sex if, addiction or something like that. And since you've had addiction in your past, you yeah, know, food like, addiction, I've had had, dad disorder. used to smoke and like when you have that kind of a personality, I just think that something else. I would else, never want to introduce it. Right. Because it, I think that when you have that kind of personality, it's easier for you to then succumb to those desires. Yeah. I mean, I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've talked about it a bit about that, not necessarily on this podcast, but with people, but it was something I didn't really share, uh, but I didn't feel comfortable with alcohol when I was in high school because I knew how much I struggle with depression and I could tell by the, how it smelled because it was one of the few things I can smell and smell very clearly that I would love it pretty quickly. Mm. And I pretty much from the first sip I had, like I did. And I looked back and said, wow, I'm so glad I didn't start drinking this when I was younger. Like I could have Mm -hmm. because man, would I have, I just gone full into this if I wasn't careful. Mm -hmm. And I think a big part of knowing that in mind is, like when students talk to us or when other people talk to us, like it reminds, I think I, I got distracted by my train of thought earlier, but I was going to say, it reminds me of a sermon from pastor Matt. This was a few months ago. This would have been for his U series. Uh, but he says like, we need to start being honest to kids about drugs. You will love it, but it'll make the rest of your life miserable. Yes, totally. And one mistake can affect your entire life. Yeah. And it you can know? it can destroy your soul cuz I mean you can be mm-hmm. so distracted by the high by the substance that mm-hmm. you lose sight of God or and, that you never go know God. This is why with. these drug dealers need to go to jail because they are impacting so many people. They're impacting so many people negatively. And it's like why would a district attorney not think that that's a serious matter? I don't understand. Yeah. I I don't understand. I mean and that actually reminds me, do you remember when I said I forgot my other question? Mm-hmm. That reminds me of my other question. Okay. How do we as a society or like what should we do about power vacuums then? Because one of the big things that happens is say they did arrest that person. Well, there's still a demand in the sense, like a supply mm-hmm. demand. Mm-hmm. How, and that, that will need to be filled into some, eventually someone will fill it. Mm-hmm. What do we do to stop that from happening? Because I feel like it just becomes a circle and the real only solution comes back to we need to be honest with people who are younger as they're growing or be honest with adults. Like, it's okay to struggle. It's okay to feel bad. You don't need to give into the substance to feel happy, though. Uh, because I feel like when you put all the pressure on just the dealers, well, eventually that dealer will get arrested. But unless you, like, maybe were to, like, burn all the suppliers down as well or something. Well, for sure. I mean, I mean, I think there's so many different aspects to it that, that we have to – uh, identify and and frankly, I'm not even prepared to discuss that today because I hadn't really looked yeah. at that aspect I mean, that's, of it. It's such a complex issue. It, it's it's totally complex, and I really just wanted to kind of identify what what I could find on yeah. the opioid oh, yeah. crisis and how tragic it is. And most tragically, from all of this, is this increase in black males, where it's increased over that six year period, it's like two hundred and. 13%, so three times what it was. And it's like, yeah. that's just so significant. And um, so I think, um, you know, one of the things that 
we need to do. And I think it's hard enough as believers, you know, and, and we're both believers, we're both Christians. And, you know, we really try to tackle things from a Christian perspective, because that's what we know, that's who we are. Um, we want to be able to identify all aspects of it. But, you know, identifying from a Christian perspective, I think it's hard enough as a Christian, you know, you mentioned that you suffer from depression. I don't suffer from depression. But um, for me, it's more like I have to stay busy. It's easy for my mind to go, oh yeah, you know, yeah. somewhere. Like totally. I have to stay busy in order for me not to either, you know, spend too much money on TV or go shopping at the stores and mm-hmm. do things like that's my coping mechanism, right? And I'm, I'm just saying I think we have a pretty good life and I know what I experienced, so I can't even imagine. Like, I truly can't, and I mean this with all honesty. I cannot imagine how so many people suffer in this world and how um, how they do cope. And, and clearly, drugs are a way to cope because they yeah. want to have that euphoria from what they see on social media. And, you know, yeah. so... My point about the Christianity is that, you know, we really want to encourage people to get involved in church, have somebody, you know, like these young teenagers, they have um, a spiritual leader like Brian who is willing to pour into them. I mean, I know I've called you several times over the past month or so, and you were meeting with your youth. And, and you were mm-hmm. just like hanging or whatever. And, and that's just so important. They really need to have that because young people, I think it's wonderful when teenagers have great relationships with their parents, but that's not real common. Yeah. And, it's, and, it's and not. they need to have like a spiritual mentor that is going to pour into them and give them wise counsel. And I'm so grateful yeah. that you have done that and are continuing to do that. I mean, in a lot of ways I'm blessed that God has allowed me to do this and I'm blessed that these boys look up to me and I'm blessed to be able to have that thought of I failed them because a lot of these boys don't have father figures or Mm. if they do have a dad it's not someone they want to look up to right so you take it seriously because you've taken on this male lead role yeah for some of these boys and And it's so it's so necessary today I mean there are so many young people where either dad's not in their life at all or barely in their life. He doesn't live in the home, and it's just a real challenge for everyone. And and, and honestly, when we, when it comes down to, like, let's just go to the bottom line here. I mean, I do think that is a factor in all of this is oh, yeah, not for sure. having a loving family that you're with. I mean, like like I said, it's hard enough when conditions are good. It's easy for our minds to go. If we don't like stay in the word and stay on top of things, stay in fellowship with other believers that are going to encourage us, lift us up, things like that. So when you don't have that. It can be so difficult. Yeah. I know one of my boys that I've been getting closer to has been sharing little, just more bits and details of his life. And his dad's out in the picture. It sounds like when he was little, his dad was very questionable and probably mm-hmm. abusive, mm-hmm. and uh, that's a big part of why he's on the picture. His mom works 15-hour days because she works like an hour, an hour and a half away both ways and has like 10-hour shifts wow. so many days a week. 
these poor and, kids. Oh and goodness. and so it's just next like next to impossible for him to feel like he has really parents who are influencing mm-hmm. in a good way. Right. And I think he might be and aware of that to some him, degree. Yeah. You know. I, and I think to some degree, I think he's aware of that, but in a big way, there's like he's he's not aware. He's not aware of how much because he's their a teenager lack of and he's confused. Them. You know what I yeah. mean? Like you and your body's changing, and you have just like all these weird feelings. And oh, I my. mean, I mean, this might sound really stupid to some degree, but one of the best things about dad is that he gets like no sleep. And I say that because, I mean, he a lot of times he'll go to bed at 9 or 10 at night for the longest time, but he gets up at 4 during the week. Mm-hmm. So he averaged, like growing up, he averaged 6 hours of sleep during the we- mm-hmm. weekday. True. But that allowed, because so many, like listening, talking about his mom, his mom has to go to work at like 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning or whatever, and then she comes mm-hmm. home and then she goes to bed at like 6 or 7 because mm. she needs to have full right. be fully rested. Right. And just like dad just chose to be awake longer. Mm-hmm. And I think part he of that- make up his sleep on the weekend he could yeah. sleep in on the weekend and i think knowing that is also i mean i'm half of him so to speak because i'm his son uh <laughs> and i kind of understand biologically why that might not be as big of a deal because i my body functions very similarly but at the same way it's just like props to him because it's just it's amazing to props be able to him for being such an awesome dad yeah but i mean just <laughs> it's just being present being to- totally just being present and 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 Present, and how important that is. Just being present and for them to know that, you know, you will do anything for them that, not that you're giving in to them. I'm not suggesting that oh, at all. Oh, for sure. I'm saying that you would support them and love them unconditionally. I think that's the bottom line is a child needs to know that. And I know we've kind of morphed into uh, another area and I think we've we've already probably talked long enough on this, but you know, Brian always has some a wisdom and insight that he likes to share and but i one other thing that i did want to say oh, if you do <laughs> no this is just real quick so if you do know anything uh, i mean i'm sorry if you do know anyone or suspect anyone is having a substance abuse problem you can contact the substance abuse and mental health system administration and that's 1-800-662-HELP 1-800-662-HELP okay one eight hundred six six two help. Cool. Very catchy. I memorized it already. <laughs> I'll forget it like really quickly. <laughs> I'll forget it in thirty <laughs> seconds. Alrighty. So I have three verses that I, when I was uh, thinking about this and praying a bit about this, that came to my mind. One is Ephesians five eighteen. This is amidst Paul uh, talking to the church of Ephesus, and this is him giving a lot of practical application about their lives after the first couple chapters talking to them about what their faith means. Just do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. Totally. It's pretty simple. And obviously there is a difference. I know I've heard people talk about, it's such a common thing for people who are younger to talk about, Oh, uh, well, like w- wine is like actual, can actually be substance, a sub- substance, ad- like a substantive addiction mm. it can actually be a substance addiction like you can actually get addicted to alcohol mm-hmm. and how how it could be so much worse than like weed or other like weaker drugs like that but i mean the whole point is you getting drunk you you feeling good to feel good right you wanting to not live your normal life you wanting to just get high get drunk feel this eu- euphoria and then 
feel better about yourself when it's not really the case. Mm-hmm. And then it says, but be filled with the spirit. Totally. Uh, then the other, and uh, the next one is the Proverbs. Wine is a mocker. Intoxicating drink is a brawler. And whoever is intoxicated by it is not wise. And if you've ever read Proverbs, the big thing is always wisdom versus folly. Is wisdom right. is how we live a godly life, how we live a good life. And, and, and if you've ever seen somebody yeah. who's drunk, then <laughs> you know there's definitely yeah. folly. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's just, and it's just the case if you like, you can be high and with certain things and still be sort of aware, just like if you can be kind of drunk and aware and everything, but you're still not making your best decisions. You're not, you're not sober. You're mm-hmm. not a full totally. state of mind. Totally. And then regarding to everyone out there who may struggle with an addiction, because as we we're talking about, they don't feel content with where they're at. They feel like they need something else to get high. It made me think of Philippians 4.13 because mm-hmm. that actually mm-hmm. fits in its proper context. Mm-hmm. Paul's talking about how he's been going through places of plenty and places of low mm-hmm. and next to nothing. Mm-hmm. This is how, how do I get through all these times, whether they're lean or like bountiful? Mm-hmm. Well, I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength. Right. And it's just to say is lean on Christ. And that is like the literal perfect example for this verse just to lead on Christ through your struggles, through the times that you feel like what you have isn't enough. And those are the verses that I thought of. Great. Okay. So you want to wrap us up here? I actually forgot how we normally end. (laughs) I think we just, well, first of all, we want to thank you for listening. We'd love for you to give us a review on. Do we have listeners? We do have listeners. We have a few. Not a lot, but we have a few. But hey, you know what? We're doing this. <laughs> Even if one person listens to this, to each podcast, which we, we we definitely have a lot more than that. But if one person gets something out of it, that's then yeah. it's worth it. Yeah, I mean, and that's all this is for. Absolutely. It's just to talk and raise awareness, like you said. And I get to sit and talk to my son, which is awesome. Yeah, it's only a nice bonus. <laughs> So if you, like I said, if you would like to give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts, that would be great. And you can also send us feedback at realworldpod at gmail.com. That's right. Either that or suggestions for other ideas to talk about. Absolutely. We would love, we'd love to hear from you. So with that, we will see you next time. See you guys.